0: Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. Several years ago at the University of Cambridge, in the chaplain's house, there was an old rug. And it was a very big rug and had been there so long uh, that it was even there during the time of C.S. Lewis when he stayed in the chaplain house when he was at Cambridge. And the rug had been there long before he even was there. Several years ago, when people were looking at that rug, they said, hey, it's old. It's gross. It's out of date. It's too hard to clean. Let's just get rid of this old rug. And they were getting ready to do just that until they did a little bit of research on the rug. And they found out that that old rug was a Persian rug. And it was very rare. It was worth $4,000 a square meter. And so they did the measurements on the rug and calculated out. And the rug was worth a quarter of a million dollars. A tremendous treasure, something very valuable, but they didn't know what they had. And because they didn't know what they had, they misused it. They abused it and they took it for granted. They wiped their feet on it. They spilled food on it. They didn't realize they had such a treasure in that Persian rug. And the same goes for us. Once you understand the value of something, it changes how you treat that very object. If there's a family treasure that everybody has respected over the years and suddenly it's found out to be a fake... Well, it might get discarded or it might turn into a funny family story. An ugly item that maybe is in possession, in the possession of the family that turns out to be priceless might now receive a place of honor. And the same goes for ourselves. The higher of our understanding of our worth, the more critical it is that we value, protect, and care for ourselves. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about God's, what God's word has to say about our tongues and our hearts. We've said a few times already, but I want to keep reminding you, the tongue is understood as the words we speak, but even more so, the tongue is the gateway to our heart. Our tongue makes our desires known and lets our character out into the world. It lets the world know who we are. Our tongues permit others to see who we are. And the heart, well, it's used to describe our personhood, our nature, our very character. Now, our culture tries to devalue these two parts of ourselves. Words are made cheap by their abundance, and our hearts are devalued by removing God as our creator. In our culture, the heart is described as some sort of compass that we just have to follow to find ourselves. Follow your heart is what we often say. And that's just simply not the case. God is our creator. So, our heart is more than a compass. He's given us our identity and He's made us in His image. Our heart is in His shape. He has designed it for specific purposes, the heart that's described in Scripture. And so, we should value our hearts because they are ours. They are each unique. But even more so, we should value our hearts because they are uniquely and lovingly made by God. Last week, we looked at a tour uh, we looked at our heart as a treasure house. Whatever the heart is full of will flow out of our mouths and into our lives. So, we talked about the heart being a treasure house. But if we believe this to be true about our heart being made by God, then we must take very seriously who we are And what we allow into our hearts, because if it's a treasure house and what we put in, it's important. And if it's made by God, so it's just important by itself, then we need to treasure our hearts. God certainly knows all of this to be true about the value of our hearts. So, He commands us to guard our hearts. We cannot miss this. Our hearts are of infinite worth. And so, the bottom line that I want you to hear today is this. A well-guarded heart leads to a resilient, healthy, meaningful God-shaped life. I want to read a text for you today. It comes from the book of Proverbs, and it reads like this. I often just read verse 23, but I want to read just a little more. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. So there it's telling us what to store into our heart, the word of God. But then it continues on in verse 22. For these words, they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And that's part of the verse that I really want us to grab onto. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So let's start with this big idea here. When it comes to your heart, guarding it is your most important job. Proverbs 4.23 begins with the phrase, above all else. In other words, priority number one, this is what you need to be doing. This is your most important job. I'm not sure how God can be more clear than by saying above all else. Nothing else is to be above this task, above all other commitments, above all all other expectations, above all your dreams, above the demands of others, above everything you may try to do and be in life. He says, guard your heart. That is your priority. And God asks us to make guarding our heart a priority because our heart is the seat of our life, our personhood, and our character. And yes, it is the place where God will reside when we invite Jesus into our hearts. Here's the truth. If the heart is unguarded, it will get overrun. And an overrun heart leads to life that is disordered, scattered, tired, chaotic, unfocused, uncertain, fearful, unproductive, and void of meaning. But if the heart is guarded and well cared for, it leads to life, a life that is organized, energized, focused, sure of itself, courageous, fruitful, and full of meaning and purpose. Which kind of heart can you say that you are cultivating? William Law says this If you attempt to talk with a dying man about sports or business, he is no longer interested. He now sees other things as more important. People who are dying recognize what we often forget. We are standing on the brink of another world. And so the things that we need to cultivate need to be pointed at that other world. Can you say that you, that you guard your heart above all else? So, now we have a sense of the priority of guarding our hearts, and now we must understand how we guard our hearts. And so, this is the next big truth I want us to grab onto, is you must actively guard your own heart. Once we realize we have a task that takes high priority in our lives, we must take the task seriously. It must be done with constancy. It must be done with vigilance. Um, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe says these words, uh, Things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter the least. And yet, so often, when it comes to our hearts, we let the least often rule our actions. So, how do we guard our hearts? Well, first we guard it by understanding that worth of our heart. And we talked about that already. Once you understand the worth, then you realize, well, I got to do this. So it starts with understanding our heart's worth. But the more we realize that our heart is unique and it's a unique treasure house or container for our identity, the more we remain vigilant about guarding our heart and looking at what we're putting into our heart. Hmm. The more common something becomes, the more casually we treat it. There is nothing more common to you than your heart because you've lived with it your whole life. It's been your identity and it's been with you ever since you were born. It's easy for something that's always been there with you to be forgotten or undervalued, just like that old rug in the first story we read today. Never forget that you are unique. You are more than just your own person, you are God's creation made by Him, and loved by Him, and treasured by Him. So understand your worth. That's one way we guard our heart, and don't ever forget your worth. But if you want to guard your heart, you also need to let God do the lion's share of the guarding. God asks us to guard our hearts, but He does not leave us on our own to do this. Over and over, the Bible tells us that the Lord is to be our strength. He is the one to do the real work of guarding our hearts. We have to let Him and we have to have confidence in him. Philippians 4, 7 even says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have a story here from John Ortberg that he tells about God's strength watching over us. And this is him telling the story. He says a few weeks ago, he was out surfing. Well, that's, that's him telling the story. He did, who knows it was a few weeks ago. But he was out surfing one time and there was no one else in the water. In fact, there was no one around at all except a guy the size of Goliath doing taekwondo on the beach. After he'd been out for a little while, a tiny wisp of a kid came paddling up out of nowhere. And he couldn't believe that this little kid was out there by himself. And he pulled his little board right up next to John's board. And he said, and he was so small, he hardly hardly even needed a board to surf. He could have just, well, as Ortberg describes, he says, a kid could have stood up on the ocean on a Frisbee. Anyway, the little boy started chatting with Mr. Ortberg, like they were old friends, had been there all the time together. And the little boy said, my name's Shane. And he asked John how long he'd been surfing. And I asked him, well, how long have you been surfing, says John. And said, well, I've been surfing for seven years, said the little boy. How old are you? John asked the little boy. And the boy said, I'm eight. <laughs> Has he been surfing since he's one? I don't know. But that's how the story goes. And the little boy asked John about his kids and his family. And then he said, what I like about surfing is that it's so peaceful. You meet a lot of nice people out here. And you sure are a nice guy, Shane. John said to the little boy, that's why you meet nice people is you are nice. And they talked a little while longer. And then I asked him, how did you get here, Shane? And he said, my dad brought me. And he turned around and waved at the nearly empty beach. And the Goliath doing martial arts on the shore waved back and said, hi, son. He called out. And that's when John Ortberg knew why Shane was so at home in the ocean. It wasn't his size. It wasn't his skill. It was who was sitting on the beach. His father was always watching and his father was very big. Shane wasn't alone at all. And John Ortberg reminds us, neither are we. We've got a giant in the Lord watching over us. Will you let God be your strength? Will you let him take the lead in guarding your heart? So once we realize our worth, once we let God do the lion's share of the guarding, then we do have to do our part in guarding our heart. And when we do our part, well, we have to identify who and what is trying to get in. Lots of people are trying to get into our hearts. Practically everyone we run into a in life is trying to get in. Our parents, our children, our neighbors, our friends, our enemies, our enemies. A stranger that we bump into who gets mad at us and tells us how clumsy we are. In that moment, we have to decide if we're going to let them into our hearts and affect who we are. The problem is, is we let too many of the wrong people live in our hearts. Anyone who's directing your attention away from God, anybody who's trying to tell you you are worth less than what God says you are worth, should not be allowed into your heart. You need to guard against them. Anything that dominates our attention and, and our thoughts and, and tries to distract us from God, we need to guard against. We need to let the people in who are helping us thrive in God. Well, what about people who are responsible for us or who we're responsible for? Well, We can submit to authority. We can exercise authority. But you cannot let anyone else in than God and have ownership over your heart be particularly aware of people and things that trample your heart. We may love and care about these people, but God has told us above all else, guard your hearts. So, you may love someone, but that doesn't mean you should let them trample your heart. We cannot even help others if we ourselves are unguarded in our hearts. So, How do we guard? What's the work we do? We identify who and what should be allowed and who shouldn't be allowed into our hearts. And then we check for openings. I think that's important. You need to know where the holes in the walls are of your fortress. Identify the places where unwanted people, things, and ideas get in. Is there a particular time of day when you're more prone to let your guard down? Perhaps it's when you're alone or needing uh, to feel needed or to be accepted. There might be something about you where you know, you know, I'll just, I'll try to please people and let them in when I shouldn't. On a real practical level, we need to identify when we least, when we are least likely to be on our guard. It may be when you're in particular, it may be when you're with a particular person or even a season of the year when you're least on your guard. And just knowing that can help you plug up the openings where people will try to get into your heart when they shouldn't be there. Because we are often the one who is the biggest opening in our heart. It's often said of the Great Wall of China. It was a gigantic structure and is a gigantic structure, which cost an immense amount of money and labor. And when it, was a f- when it was finished, it appeared impregnable. But the enemy breached it, not by breaking it down or going around it. They did it by bribing the gatekeepers. We are the gatekeepers of our hearts. And sometimes we are the biggest opening that needs to be plugged up. And another way we guard our heart is to set limits. It's okay. It's okay to close the gates. It's okay to say no. It's okay to be unavailable. In our instant culture, we've created impatience in people. And that impatience can distract us from guarding our hearts because we want to please people. But we can set a limit we can say, you know, what? I, can, I can reach out to you later. Now is not a good time. Just because someone can reach you by a smartphone does not mean you must let them in. I know the pressure is otherwise. In our culture, we think when someone reaches out, we got to reach right back. People get worried when you don't immediately respond to their texts. Parents, we need to teach our children that it's okay to say no when someone reaches right out on that phone, because I guarantee you they're being reached out to all the time. Researchers are piling up Evidence and mountains of evidence that electronic activity, as it is increasing, it's increasing anxiety and depression and insomnia in teenagers. They take those connections to their very bedrooms and they're interrupted all night by peers, not by parents and people who will help them, but by peers who are having the same struggles they are. That's one of the the openings in the walls. It's something that needs to be limited. Each time we set a healthy limit, we are doing the work of guarding our hearts. Hmm. Last big idea that I'd like to bring up today. You must guard your heart because your heart is critical to a well-lived life. Proverbs 4.23 tells us why we must guard our heart. For everything you do flows from it. If we want to live life well, if we want to thrive, we must guard our hearts. The Bible does tell us some functions of the heart that God designed, and that helps us understand uh, how a life is lived well. And it's important. If we don't understand these functions that God designed, we'll be missing out on what a guarded heart can do. The Bible tells us that the heart is for loving God. Deuteronomy six five says this: Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. A healthy heart is supposed to love God, and if you don't guard your heart to the extent that we, we fail to guard our heart, we struggle in loving God as we should. But as we guard our heart, we'll be better able to love God and experience His love. Another function that God designed into the heart is serving God. Joshua. Twenty-two five says this, Be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience, to keep His commands, to hold fast to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. It also says it in Deuteronomy 10.12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Soul, to the extent that we guard our hearts, we are better able to serve God, and to the extent that we fail to guard our hearts we 'll struggle with serving God. Do you know there's another purpose that God built into the human heart, and that is for belief Romans ten ten Says this, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now, here is a very verse about salvation. We've been talking about the tongue and the heart, how important they are, and they're important for salvation. With your heart, you believe, and with your mouth, you profess your faith and are saved. If you want to believe in God well, you need to guard your heart. An unguarded heart is going to struggle, it's going to be harder fourth thing that God designed about the heart. And this one's a little different, but I think we forget it sometimes. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, He has made, meaning God, He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I want to take a moment and just expand on that verse. Truly, in it, we find a yearning that God has placed in each of us for more than what we can see today. This is a longing for eternity. The healthier the heart is, the better able you are to live and long for eternity. Perhaps we can think of it another way. A person who does not guard their heart, but lets any instant pleasure or any instant thing rule... will. When you let things in and you don't guard your heart, it will darken your ability to see and desire eternity. I've seen many a man and many a woman who have driven themselves to the brink of life because they did not guard their heart for God. Instead, they thought their heart was for their own pleasure and they forgot that they were built for eternity and they had no idea how to live for eternity. This alone is reason for us enough to guard our hearts so we'd have a healthy hunger for heaven. Parents, if you want to have your children hunger for heaven, teach them how to guard their heart for God. I could think this uh, way about all four of these functions about our spiritual heart. If the heart is unguarded and, and, and trampled over, it's unable to love rightly, uh, to to be able to serve God rightly, unable to believe rightly, or be able to, unable to hunger for eternity correctly. But thank goodness for Jesus Christ. No matter how unguarded our hearts have been, He can bring healing and salvation to those hearts. Know today that you can have a restored heart through believing in Jesus and making Him Lord of your life. So, what's being asked of us? Well, stop giving your heart to the wrong people and the wrong things. We need to see the value in who we are to God. And so I've got one more story for you to think about. It begins like this. How much does a world-class violinist make? Well, that depends on how he markets himself or she markets herself. Have you ever heard of Joshua Bell? He's one of the finest classical musicians in the world. He plays to pack audiences all around the world, making upwards of $1,000 per minute. The violin that he plays is a Stradivarius violin built in 1713 and is currently valued at $3.5 million. This particular Stradivarius violin, being close to 300 years old, is renowned to be the most beautiful sounding violin ever created. So here we have the finest violinist in the world playing the most beautiful violin ever. It's safe to say that Bell, as a musician, is the best at what he does. At the height of his career, he was approached by the Washington Post to participate in a social experiment. They wanted him to play in a local subway for an hour, during which thousands of people would walk by and hear him playing. So on the morning of January 12, 2007, Bell played through a set list of classical masterpieces with his violin case open. Can you guess how much the finest violinist in the world playing a beautiful $3.5 million violin made in an hour? He made a grand total of $32. That was what was thrown into his violin case. The finest violinist playing the most beautiful instrument made a meager $32 from his customers. The same violinist played in Boston at a Boston concert hall a few nights earlier. It was a performance where the audience members paid $100 or more per ticket. and During that event, he earned over $60,000 per hour. The same talented musician, playing the same music on the same violin, yet in one instance he earns $32 an hour, and in another he earns $60,000 an hour. Here's what I say. Too many of us are not guarding our hearts. We don't understand our worth, and we're sitting in the subways working for pennies for our soul, and we're letting people pay us and invest in us in ways that are not even worth what the God of the universe sees in us. For we are far more precious to him than that. I want to challenge you. Because that's why the telltale signs of regarding your heart. Are you like a violinist in the subway? 32 bucks an hour? Are those the kinds of friends and activities you have being poured into your heart? Or do you see yourself for who you really are? A treasure to God. Far more than that violinist would ever make an hour. Get out of the subway and guard your heart. It is more precious than you give yourself credit for. 1 John chapter 3 says this in verse 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall be seen as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Resolve today to guard your heart and live for the Lord. Will you do this? Let us pray. O God, without whose beauty and goodness our souls are unfed, without whose truth our reason withers, consecrate our lives to your will, giving us such purity of heart, such depth of faith, and such steadfastness of purpose, that in time we may come to think your thoughts after you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.